From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up on this Tuesday edition, with airline travel reduced to a trickle and many restaurants and businesses closed or scaled back in their services, the Trump administration is moving rapidly to get relief to families and businesses impacted by the Chinese coronavirus. Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss is here with the latest in just a moment. And the CDC guidelines released yesterday recommend no gatherings more than 10 for the next two weeks. Now, my family barely falls beneath that new threshold. So what are churches to do? Well, it's time to think outside and act outside the box, the four walls of the church. And many churches are doing just that, creating response teams of their youth who are out of school to take needed groceries and supplies to the at-risk population that are shut in. Some with kitchens are creating their own Meals on Wheels programs to provide hot meals for those who are self-quarantined. Others, while not opened to the hundreds of uh, worshipers on Sundays, are opening their doors to those who will come and pray during the week. The possibilities are limitless. The Church of the Highlands in Birmingham, partnering with the state of Alabama, began administering drive-through testing on their campus for the coronavirus. In addition to the test, they offer prayer and encouragement as well. Pastor Dino Rizzo, a member of the Highlands staff and executive director of the Association of Related Churches, joins us later here with the details. And as Italy, with nearly 25,000 cases of the virus, continues on nationwide lockdown, Samaritan's Purse is airlifting needed medical supplies to that country. Franklin Graham joins me later here on Washington Watch. And finally, how should you and your family be responding to what is happening all around us? Joining me in studio later to answer that question, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Harold Harper, the Chief of Staff here at the Family Research Council. We have that conversation later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it is at T. Perkins. All right, today the Trump administration announced it is proposing a big and bold response to the coronavirus, injecting as much as $1 trillion into the economy. What impact might this have on the crisis and the nation's economy? Joining me now to talk about this is Congressman Jody Heise. He represents the 10th Congressional District of Georgia. Uh, Jody, welcome back to Washington Watch. Tony, great to be with you as always. Appreciate you having me. And by the way, folks, if you recognize that voice, uh, Jody has filled in for me a couple of times as a former uh, radio talk show host. Uh, He's a great uh, backup when we need somebody to come in and fill in. So, Jody, I appreciate you doing that from time to time. Always glad to. Let's talk about the announcement, Dana. I mean, this I, I, I have to be candid. There's been very few things that I have seen unfold so rapidly in real time as we're watching you know, new information come available and how the administration is response, responding to it and now with a, a stimulus package, uh, so to speak, putting forward to get relief to American families. Give us the latest on what is being proposed as of today. Yeah, we are still trying to put all the pieces of that puzzle together, Tony, to be honest, but uh, it looks as though there is discussion between uh, payroll tax cuts and or probably or uh, sending actual checks in the tune of $1,000 or so to each adult in the country. Uh, there's also, of course, big plans to bail out some big industries like the airline industry, 
Um, there's, you know, there's a host of different things that are being discussed, but the last figure that I was informed of, it's looking like it's uh, in excess of a trillion, somewhere in the ballpark of $1.2 trillion. And I have, have to tell you, Tony, this is very concerning to me. I, you know, we're already looking at uh, $23 trillion we are in debt. And uh, I'm just fearful that when this corona thing is done, we could spend another couple trillion that uh, we don't have. And I think we've got to be very careful right now that we treat the virus. And I, I think that's the quickest way to restore our economy is to uh, get rid of the virus. And um, I, I'm just I'm just alarmed. I'm keeping a, an open ear to all of this, but it's concerning to me um, with the kind of money that we're looking at with this. I, I think the concern is legitimate. When we've seen the previous stimulus packages, you know, we saw after 9-11 when there was a slowdown in the economy. We saw after the 2008 and the stimulus packages that were then presented. Um, the level of spending stayed just the same. We, we never saw it shrink back to the pre-stimulus spending. So there's reason to be concerned with these new levels of spending. Well, that's right, and I'll tell you another part of the alarm with me. Uh, the we, we had the first bill, which I was I was fine with that because it was going specifically to attack coronavirus and make sure we're prepared, make sure our medical com- community is there, that we're working on vaccines, all that sort of stuff. Then we had the second package, the coronavirus package, last week. Uh, that Tony, we were we were made aware of the bill at 11:45 p.m. Friday night, 15 minutes before midnight, we were on the floor voting at 12:30. We didn't even get to look at the bill. We didn't get to read it. We didn't have any idea really of what the money was going to, in excess of a hundred billion dollars with that. And you know, it's rarely do you make good decisions in those kinds of situations. Of course, I voted against that, but it's just uh, it's alarming to me that particular bill, just as you mentioned, was filled with uh, expanded entitlement programs from food programs to, I mean, just a whole host of things. And my fear is that, uh, just as you mentioned, uh, we're not going to see these expanded numbers go away, or it's probably going to be quite a battle if we do see them reduced to the uh, rates that they were at prior to this coronavirus. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to uh, have you along with us this afternoon. Jody Heiss, my guest. Uh, represents the 8th Congressional District, 10th Congressional District of uh, Georgia. What you're talking about there, uh, Congressman, is reminiscent of Obamacare when, uh, you know, Nancy Pelosi famously said, we've got to pass it, then we can find out what's in it. And but exactly. this is the nature, this is kind of the nature of, uh, uh, you know, emergency spending. And, you know, Rahm Emanuel, who was uh, Barack Obama's chief of staff, one said, you know, you never want to waste a good crisis. You can do things during a crisis you can't do any other time. And and that's what we actually found in this bill. Fortunately, we've got an administration that stood uh, with uh, with you, conservative members of the Congress, and, and, and us on the outside to make sure that none of that money went to Planned Parenthood, which Nancy Pelosi wanted it to do. Uh, there was also efforts to redefine uh, family with domestic partnership language. That was uh, uh, taken out. So... You know, it's it, it's a very dangerous time. It's a time that we've got to be focused, and that's what our team here at FRC remaining very focused. In fact, just as I was getting on the air, 
uh, more conversations taking place with the, the administration regarding this third wave of, uh, of, of spending infusion that's going to be coming as a, as a result of the coronavirus. So it's not a time to, uh, I mean, obviously we want to, we, we want people to focus on their families, taking care of their communities, but they need to know that there are those here in Washington that are making sure that, uh, you know, tremendous damage is not done uh, in in the uh, the so-called remedy to the coronavirus. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right, Tony. And we've got, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for the church to be the church. Quite yes. frankly, we have a, a, a golden opportunity to be light. And I loved your intro to where the program is going a little bit later on with some of the creative ways that the body of Christ is stepping up. But from a government perspective, you know, it's it's uh, none of us have ever seen a country shut down like we are beginning to see happen in, in America right now. And the question is, what do we do with this scenario? And if people are going to look to the federal government to bail everybody out, then obviously that will, will be an economic disaster in and of itself because there's just not enough to go around. That being said, I commend uh, what the administration has been able to do uh, thus far uh, and and their focus on trying to quarantine people and make sure that uh, this virus does not spread any more than it needs to spread. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll be able to deal with the health issue uh, as we are addressing those issues. But uh, the, the uh, concerns as to the money that's being thrown at this I legitimately share the same concerns that you have, and I think we need to step back and just really look through what is the best way. To think that this is going to be the last disaster that we have is is nonsense. As soon as this is over, there will be something else. There will well, be another hurricane. There will yeah. be something else. And so it's, we've got to be careful. It's a, it's a good point, and, and one of the reasons um, – well, let me just step back for a moment. I was talking with a pastor this morning who actually is going to be on here at this moment, Dino Rizzo, uh, who was in Louisiana back in 2005 with Katrina. And and that was really the first hurricane that we had seen, major hurricane in almost a generation. We, had, we hadn't seen him in a long time. And so churches came together, and we had to... It took us a while. You know, it was, we were stunned at first, but then we, we began to come up with a plan and churches began to respond. And, and now churches are a key part of government response to these natural disasters because we've now gone through, uh, I don't know, probably eight to ten of these natural disasters in, in Louisiana over the course of the last 20 years. And you're right. They, and, and it seems like they each become more significant and more costly. Now, the, 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 the thing that we've been encouraging the administration as we've been having conversations every day is to, once the church gets its footing, uh, and not every church has been through a natural disaster knows how to respond to this, but once they get their footing, they need to be a part of the government's response, a partner in the local community that can help magnify a, kind of a force multiplication for the government. Absolutely, because, I mean, the church is comprised of people who love people, and they're going to be in there. They're going to get their hands dirty. They're going to be in the trenches with these folks helping uh, and and doing it with a loving heart uh, as unto the Lord. And uh, there's no better group prepared and ready to partner 
with our, our government agencies at times of crisis than the church. So this is a, a tremendous opportunity, and I'm excited uh, that we had a National Day of Prayer this past week. And I just believe that we are going to see uh, the, the good hand of God walk us through this as a nation. And I'm excited to see how the body of Christ is going to be part of it. Hey, look, very quickly, before we run out of time, I want to play a clip. Uh, the president criticized for identifying this as the Chinese coronavirus. Here's, here's a clip of today's con- press conference with the president. China and others have criticized you for using the phrase uh, Chinese virus. Uh, how do you feel about that? Are you going to continue using that phrase? Well, China uh, was putting out information which was false that our military gave this to them. That was false. And uh, rather than having an argument, I said, uh, I have to call it where it came from. It did come from China. So I think it's a very accurate term. But no, I didn't appreciate the fact that China was saying that our military gave it to them. Our military did not give give it to anybody. Critics say using that phrase creates a stigma. Um... No, I don't think so. No, I think saying that our military gave it to them creates a stigma. Very quickly, Congressman Heiss, the, the, the media, I mean, what, what's what's this about? Is it not a virus that came from China? It absolutely is. And that kind of answer is precisely why the American people love this president. He stands for our country. He stands for the truth. And he's not going to back down when someone challenges it. All right. Congressman Jody Heiss, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for uh, joining us this afternoon. Thank you, Tony. My pleasure. All right. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to have a conversation about what churches can do and what they are doing in response to the coronavirus. Associate pastor at the Church of the Highlands, Pastor Dino Rizzo, joins us to talk about what they're doing in partnership with the government of Alabama in terms of drive-through testing for the coronavirus. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Is historic masculinity lost forever? Where can boys, young men, husbands, and fathers find a model of manhood, leadership, and strength in a culture of gender confusion? We need men to be men, tough with compassionate strength, bent toward justice without compromise, locking arms and standing. We need to be the men God created us to be and fight for all that is right, true, and just. This is Tony Perkins inviting you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference. To find out more, go to StandCourageous.com. This conference is led by men who are seasoned, compassionate, and men who understand the issues of the day and will invest in you, helping you understand your role as a defender, a provider, an instructor, a battle buddy, and a chaplain so that you can have the generational influence that God has designed you to have. Learn more at StandCourageous.com. That's StandCourageous.com. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the primary supplier of abortions in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed over 345,000 abortions in fiscal year 2018. That means, on average, Planned Parenthood aborted 1,768 babies every single day in 2018. And while Planned Parenthood's report revealed an increase in abortions committed, many of the services they provide, such as breast exams and cancer screenings, have drastically decreased. FRC recently released its 2020 edition of The Real Planned Parenthood, Leading the Culture of Death. 
In this resource, you will find many facts revealing the truth that Planned Parenthood is in the business of abortion, not health care. To access this resource and to find out more, go to frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. That's frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. We can all... Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So glad to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it is uh, at T. Perkins. In the midst of all that is going on, you know, there's there's so much uncertainty. You know, we don't know what, um, you know, when the virus is going to pass when things are going to get back to normal, what's going to be the long-term economic impact. Will will things bounce back immediately? How long will it take? I mean, a lot of unknowns. And that creates, uh, that creates anxiety. But what does Scripture say? In, uh, in Philippians chapter 4, Be anxious for nothing, but in prayer... In supplication with with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Scripture also says that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of a sound mind. And see what happens when we are willing to, uh, to pray, turn these things over to God and not be overcome with anxiety. We have that sound mind. We've got a peace that passes all understanding. And then we have an ability to respond to the crisis that is before us, not in a way that is, you know, shooting from the hip, but is spirit-led. And and one of the biggest challenges, and I've gone through this now for almost 20 years, faced with these various natural disasters in my home state of Louisiana, is the tendency is to look inward. And that includes the church as well. We look inward. In a moment of crisis, we should look outward. It's one of the greatest times and opportunities of ministry, both collectively as a church and individually. And how our church is doing that? Well, many that have gone through some of these previous experiences are prepared and are responding. One of those churches is in Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, the Highlands Church of the Highlands. And uh, joining me now to talk about what they began today, been several days in the planning, but it launched today, is the associate pastor of the Church of the Highlands, Pastor Dino Rizzo, formerly from uh, Baton Rouge. Dino, welcome to Washington Watch. (laughs) Hey, thank you, Tony, so much. I sure do appreciate that. Well, let's talk uh, a little bit. uh, Tell our listeners what the Church of the Highlands is doing in partnership with the state government. Yeah, we were able to, uh, along with, you know, what you do at a campus, at a church, with providing groceries and caring for the most vulnerable, we were able to partner with our medical community and our health boards in being able to host a uh, a COVID-19 test site, one of the drive-through test sites. So partnered with a, uh, a physician, partnered with a lab, and then out of that, our medical community, we've been able to host that because our, our huge parking lot, a lot of times, those type of labs or some of the doctor's offices don't have the parking lot and even the Wi-Fi, some of the technology that churches have. So because of our technology and because of our parking lot, we're now hosting that. So today, Tony, it was something else. It was, uh, you remember some of those lines we experienced during Katrina, 
with passing out food and gas and ice. And so we had thousands in line. We were able to test uh, right at 400. Uh, we're we're moving it to a larger parking lot that we had just because of the needs uh, of the people, and it's just a great partnership. We we do we have something called Christ Health Center where we have a clinic that we are a part of, and Highlands gives to, and Pastor Chris wanted to be a part of that years ago, and so this is a great partnership partnering with the medical right now. Now you also. I mean, you're not leaving your core mission. You're ministering to a physical need, but you're also taking the opportunity to minister to the spiritual needs of those who are coming to your campus as well. Oh, yeah. One of the cool things we did, uh, I didn't realize how easy it was. We were able to put up a little radio signal that people could tune in while they're sitting in line. Cause the lines were long, of course, and, and people were patient and uh, amazing. We were making it better, but they could tune into a radio station uh, and listen to the instructions for what the testing was going to be like, and then also instructions about things that we're offering as a church for their family, uh, and then to pray with them. So we had a number that they could text in if they needed prayer. And I want to say, Tony, out of the 400 that were in line, we had 325 texts for prayer. People are hungry. People are, are open. People are ready to get prayed for. They're, they, they need the gospel. They're, they're just, it is a time for the church to be the church. So I think the combination of meeting the, the, the need uh, helping people with their fear, the partnership with the medical community, and then being the church, like you said, our core our core mission, giving people Jesus. Um, and there's a lot of ways churches are doing it. So I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm proud of the body of Christ. You and I saw it at Katrina. We saw some of the best of, of the church. And I think we're going to see it again, Tony. It all begins, as I was mentioned earlier, about looking outward as opposed to inward. Yeah. When, when when these disasters happen, there's a tendency to hunker down and look at what we have and what we might not have as opposed mm-hmm. to what we can give and what we can do for others. And, you know, I, I know we, we, we had to, it took us a while to get our footing uh, after yeah. Katrina, but once we did and we had a plan, you know, the the anxieties that many people have kind of melt away when you have a plan of action and ministry. Yeah, and, and you help lead us in that so well. And what you realize is, I was telling some guys that some pastors on the phone that say, hey, listen, we do weekends and we do platforms and we do pulpits, but we do a whole lot more than that. And we didn't, most of us didn't get in ministry just for that or didn't come to Christ just for that. Uh, it's in how we care for people. It's how, it's how, it's how we pray. It's how we check on people. It's how we notice the needs of others. You know, it's not in the big things. It's in the small things. And I think just starting with what you have, starting somewhere in some way, talking to a church today, and they're just doing a check on your neighbor through yeah. text or call somebody on the phone, partner with the school, connect with someone who's vulnerable, look for the most vulnerable, small, simple ways to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But you're right. When you get a plan, and it took us it took us a while to get this together, and we're having to um, shift every day, even at our campus level, as it relates to giving out food and to being there for those that are hurting. That's so good. And I, and I want to underscore what you just said a moment ago, that start with what you have where you are. And, and some might not have the resources of Church of the Highlands, but they've got something that they can give. And we all need to be doing our part as the body of Christ. Dino Rizzo, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us. Always good to hear you, Tony. All right, brother. Dino Rizzo, associate pastor at Church of the Highlands. You don't have to have a lot to make a difference. 
Take what you have. All right. Talking about uh, the church responding, coming up next, Samaritan's Purse has airlifted a 68-bed emergency field hospital to Italy. Franklin Graham tells us about it next here on Washington Watch. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. So good to have you with us. The website is TonyPerkins.com. All right, Samaritan's Purse has airlifted a 68-bed emergency field hospital to Italy to address the severe coronavirus outbreak there. The airlift included approximately 20 tons of medical equipment, respiratory care unit developed specifically for this response, and 32 disaster relief personnel, including doctors, nurses, and respiratory specialists who will stay in the country for at least a month. Now, Italy is uh, is hit hard with over 25,000 cases thus far. The country is in lockdown. Joining me now to talk more about the effort of Samaritan's Purse is our good friend, Franklin Graham, the president of Samaritan's Purse. Franklin, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you so much, uh, Tony. Good to be with you. All right, what's the status of uh, the effort there going on now? And is it on the ground and being set up in Italy? Uh, the, the plane landed about an hour ago. It um, should be uh, unloaded at this time, and the Italian military is uh, transporting uh, the, the hospital for us. And I think we'll have it set up to be operated by this time tomorrow. Now, I guess the reason Italy was a source of your focus is, is obvious. There are hospitals being overrun with uh, the, the serious cases of coronavirus. Um, are there other places uh, in, in the country that, or in the world that you're looking at as well? Uh, right now, it's just Italy. It's, uh, uh, Tony, what's happened in northern Italy is um, you, you have right now it's over 30,000 cases. Uh, you had, um, if I'm not mistaken, there, there were 400 people that died yesterday and like 380 people that died today. The mortality rate, I think, is like 8% or higher. Um, and the Italians are just overwhelmed. Uh, and no one has gone to help them. And they just um, they just didn't know what to do. And so we offered the, to bring a hospital, and they just jumped at it. And I was surprised how quickly... They made things happen. We, we landed at a military base. That is uh, extremely unusual to be able to, to take a, your plane into a military base. And they, they waived those types of things. Um, and they were just, they, they cut all the red tape uh, within minutes and they, they made it happen. So we are there because, of course, Tony, I want to, anytime we respond, we always want to respond in Jesus' name. Matter of fact, we have that on the nose of our airplane, uh, in the name of Jesus. And that's when we respond. It's in his name. And so we're going to Italy uh, to help the people that are suffering, the people that are dying, to care for them, to love them. But more importantly, we're there to tell them about God's son, Jesus Christ. Now you reached out uh, to the officials in Italy, or did they reach out to you first? No, we we reached out to them and, and just offered, do you do you want any help? And I think uh, they were just shocked because no one had offered them up to that point. Mm. And so uh, they just uh, they jumped at it. Yes. And and obviously no restrictions. You're able to do the work just as you always do, and uh, in, in loving people, caring for people, meeting their needs, sharing the gospel with those who want to hear about Jesus. Absolutely. There's no restrictions. 
Um, what, and how can if, Americans if partner? Party, we would go. Yeah, how can I, I know that? I, 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 that, that is your focus, and I think everyone, uh, I mean, I, I certainly know that, and it's one of the things I appreciate about you and Samaritan's Purse and why our family and any of FRC partners with Samaritan's Purse, because the gospel is first. We do everything in the name of Jesus, and, and, and we're grateful for your leadership in that area. Um, what do people in America need to be doing right now as it pertains? Christians, let me, let me just start there. What, what do believers in America need to be doing right now? First of all, we, we need to pray, Tony. We don't we don't need to be afraid, but we do need to pray. And uh, and, and and that's not saying don't take this virus uh, seriously. I mean, this this is an issue. And um, I, for me, Tony, I didn't. Um, I thought maybe a, a lot of this was overhyped until one of my staff came down with it, and uh, they got uh, isolated quickly, and um, uh, they're, they're recovering. And no one else got infected, but how quickly it just shows up out of nowhere. Uh, he was coming back from uh, a country that, that didn't even have the virus. But it must have picked it up on the airplane or coming through Europe, uh, through the airport or something. But it just shows you how fast it can come. And we just uh, we need to be ready for it. But more importantly, um, we need to encourage people. And our hope is not in this world. Our hope is in, mm-hmm. is in Christ. And I want people to know that Jesus Christ died for our sins. Uh, he suffered for our sins. He was buried for our sins. But God raised him to life. And I know that one day, Tony, my life is going to come to an end, whether it's a virus, whether it's a car accident, or the flu, uh, cancer, whatever. But I know when that day comes, and I don't know when it is, but whenever that day comes, I'm going to be in the presence of God, not because I'm a good guy, uh, not because... I'm an American, or my father was a famous evangelist. It's going to be because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, and he shed his blood for me. And I was uh, 22 when I accepted that and believed it and invited Christ into my heart, and he changed me, and he'll do that for anybody. Uh, You know, the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, and I shall not want. And he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Tony, we've got a shepherd that loves us and cares for us and wants the best for us. And this is a moment when these events like this occur that the church, buoyed by that confidence in our Savior, can take a message of hope to the world around us. This is not a time for us to lose our heads. It's time to be sober, but the time to be focused on ministry. Amen. Franklin, as always, great to talk with you. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to join us this afternoon. We will continue to pray and encourage folks that can to support the work that Samaritan's Purse is doing. Thank you, Tony. God bless you. All right, uh, Franklin Graham. Find out more, go to TonyPerkins.com and uh, absolutely an organization that you can support. Don't go away. We're coming back with more Washington Watch on the other side of this break. Where can young men, husbands, and fathers find a model of real manhood, leadership, and strength in today's culture of gender confusion? This is Tony Perkins inviting you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference led by men who are seasoned, compassionate men who understand the issues of the day and will help you understand your role 
as a defender, provider, instructor, battle buddy, and chaplain so that you can have the generational influence God has designed you to have. Learn more at StandCourageous.com. Recently, a bill called the Fairness for All Act was introduced to the House of Representatives. In response, FRC has a new resource, the Unfairness of the Fairness for All Act. This act attempts to find a compromise between the First Amendment's protection of religious freedom and the demands of the LGBT community. But, unfortunately, it is a poorly drafted bill that would negatively impact religious freedom, true equality, and the privacy and safety of women. Learn more at frc.org slash fairness for all. Did you know that Planned Parenthood is the primary supplier of abortions in the U.S.? According to Planned Parenthood's most recent annual report, it committed over 345,000 abortions in fiscal year 2018. That means, on average, Planned Parenthood aborted 1,768 babies every single day in 2018. And while Planned Parenthood's report revealed an increase in abortions committed, many of the services they provide, such as breast exams and cancer screenings, have drastically decreased. FRC recently released its 2020 edition of The Real Planned Parenthood, Leading the Culture of Death. In this resource, you will find many facts revealing the truth, that Planned Parenthood is in the business of abortion, not health care. To access this resource and to find out more, go to frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. That's frc.org slash Planned Parenthood Facts. I'm Tony Perkins, and you're listening to Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Twitter, it is at T. Perkins. All right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know we're focused heavily on the issue of the coronavirus. At some point in time, we'll move on to other topics, but that's what everybody is focused on and talking about. And, and part of our mission here at the Family Research Council, number one, is we work on policy, so we, as we talked about at the beginning of the program with uh, with Congressman Heiss, making sure that bad stuff was not slipped into this bill, uh, that uh, didn't funnel money to Planned Parenthood, as Nancy Pelosi wanted to do. We succeeded in that, uh, trying to keep it from redefining family, and it appears we've succeeded to do that. Uh, so we continue to be vigilant, watching, working with the administration, also encouraging the partnership with the churches, as we were talking about. I want to highlight, in fact, uh, do this for me. If your church is involved in the response, so there's many, many different ways you can do this. And, and, and don't wait for somebody to ask you, Pastor. Don't wait for somebody to say, hey, would your church do this? Find a need and meet it. That, that's that's how innovation occurs. That's how ministry happens. Find a need in your community and meet it. And, and think of creative ways to meet the needs of your congregation as well. Start with within the church. Work your way out. Uh, but, you know, as we've got these limitations on size now in place for the next two weeks, limit gatherings, limit of 10 or under, you know, look, use technology, continue to minister to your people. But you need to be seen. The church needs to be seen. Um, we need to be confident. I was reading this morning in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. That's God saying, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. 
I mean, that's reassuring to know that God is the one who is for you. Do not be dismayed. He'll strengthen you. He'll help you. He'll uphold you. That's the confident confidence we have as believers. And when we walk in that confidence, it enables others to find the source of our strength, to ask us, and we can tell them the hope that's within us. All right, uh, I want to transition just a little bit to another aspect of the coronavirus. Uh, join me now in studio, Executive Vice President of the Family Research Council, Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin, and our Chief of Staff, Harold Harper. Guys, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Thanks for having us. I, I want to start first, General, uh, in a meeting this morning we had, you made a comment that in your 70 years you've, Number one, never seen a you know an event as significant as this, but you've not seen the type of leadership that has been displayed by this administration. Yeah, you stop and think about the events that we've seen in the past. Uh, I don't know that anything has ever been as complex as this is. We don't know where this is going. It's uh, it's global, and uh, and what's the appropriate response? The the fact of the matter is, uh, we really had not prepared for this. So. Uh, I think that uh, given the complexities of this, it takes a special kind of leadership. And I will tell you, Tony, in, uh, in my view, the president has provided an extraordinary leadership through this thing. He has made very tough decisions, some of which were not popular, some that he knew would not be popular. But he uh, closed our borders. He banned uh, travel from certain countries, travel to certain countries. He had a day of prayer, a day of prayer. I mean, my goodness, we haven't seen that kind of thing, I guess, since uh, going all the way back to D-Day, World War II, you know, when uh, Roosevelt prayed a prayer on the radio to the American public. So I think that this leadership has been uh, extraordinary in a very complex situation. Yeah, I think it's important to underscore that because some people say, well, it took them a while to get going. We've never seen anything of this magnitude. And he made the comment yesterday that... When you look at the, the testing, that where the, criti- the criticism was, was ramping up the testing. I mean, you don't have this kind of stuff just sitting around for some unknown virus that is yet surfaced uh, among the world's population. So yeah, it, it takes ramp-up time. That, that's the fallacy of the whole thing. Look, the pundits, uh, the people that, uh, that want to go after Donald Trump are going to go after him no matter what he does. But now you even have people like Andrew Cuomo. You know, the the governor of New York actually saying that the president has been helpful, recognizing that the president has uh, has been on the side of the people and on the side of the governors of the states and helping this. And uh, so I think that uh, what what we see here is an unprecedented situation with lots of complexities. But this uh, was a bad hand dealt to our president, but he's played it very, very well, in my view. Uh, before I go to Harold, because I'm, I'm going to kind of shift gears with Harold when I bring him in, because um, I'm going to kind of bring this down from the 30,000-foot view to the very practical for families. But, th- again, today, and this has been every day, they've been asking the president, you know, are, are, you, are you going to... F- mandated lockdown, martial law. Um, And and the president has been very clear about that. We're not there, not even close to that. Um, I mean, that's that's an issue very, very close to to you. You've uh, you know what that entails. And this president being very judicious. And and I frankly, I trust this administration, what they're doing, that they're not going to abuse their power and go where they don't need to go. 
No, and, and here's another thing on his leadership. When you, It's just what you're talking about, Tony. When the president says, uh, we recommend that you not gather in crowds of more than 250 or now crowds of 10, and he puts out guidelines, people are following it. Mm-hmm. Look at the, I just saw a shot of Times Square. There's nobody at Times Square. I got on an airplane uh, a couple of days ago and flew down here to be with you, Harold, and I did, and there were only 23 people on the whole airplane coming out of Washington, Reagan. People are following what this president is asking them to do because he's made his case very well, and he's instilled confidence in them that he knows what he's doing, regardless of what the media and the other pundits say. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, General Jerry Boykin, my guest in this final segment, along with Harold Harper, Chief of Staff for the Family Research Council. And you know, the uh, the general kind of set that up pretty good about these uh, no, not having crowds of more than ten people. As I said earlier in the program, that I barely get under that threshold with my family. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we can still gather together for meals. But the the, uh, the the issue here, Harold, is that this is changing American life. It's almost like pushing the pause button. The general making the comment, Times Square being empty. Isn't this an opportunity to rediscover family? Absolutely. You know, uh, we live in a fast-paced world, and normally we are just going the rat race of life or what I, is what I call it. So uh, here's a great opportunity to slow down. We are slowed down. We are paused in many cases. And um, it's a great time to take advantage of this time to spend time with uh, with your family. You know, I was real bummed, to, to be honest, going in. I'm a big church guy. I love church. Uh, it's, uh, Sunday's my, one of my favorite times of the week, for sure. But I was a little bummed um, that we couldn't go to church Sunday. Um, but, you know, my wife and I said we're going we're gonna to have our house church and we're going to stream. Uh, we watched a couple of different, I watched a couple of different uh, churches, but it was really, really good experience for me and my wife and, and our youngest son to just have home church. We actually took some pictures of him holding his Bible and it was, we just, we just had a good time with it. And then at the end, um, we spent some time in prayer and I got on my knees and, and really cried out, uh, for our country and, and prayed for, you know, things that it's just good for him to see that and for him to experience that. I think, I think it's a, just a great opportunity. And you were, you were telling us earlier about your daughter checking on your small group. I just think that is a, a time when our kids need to see us leading. They need to see us how we're responding to this, yeah. that we're not in fear. We need to turn off Fox News. Yeah. And um, really point them back to him, and point them on how to care for others. We know we, there's not you've got to be creative in what you do, um, but it's a great time for uh, us all to check on our our friends and family via text or phone. Um, there's some family members that are setting an alarm on their phone, and at a certain time of the day or at night, they're gathering together to pray for their families. Um, and that's bringing unity. You're seeing more family uh, hangouts, you know, that, that they're all connecting and talking in times of, in, in when they normally don't do that. Yeah, I think it's uh, several things you said that that's, that's important. Number one is I think we need to turn the television off. Amen. All right. I mean, I think we watch. I don't watch. I don't actually have television, so I don't watch it. But I think right now it's the same thing over and over. And it just raises the anxiety level. I mean, it's not going to change within, you know, watch it once a day and get the mm-hmm. headlines and move on. But your children take their their cues from you. Right. And if, if you're anxious and 
you're not handling the crisis well, it, it leaves an impression on them. They might not say anything, but I, I, I know this, having gone through, you know, as I was talking about earlier, living in Louisiana has given me the benefit of experiencing a lot of natural disasters. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they watch. Right. And, and if you're calm, collected, and you know what's, you know, you have confidence, even though you're in, you know, in the middle of uh, who knows what, they, they react better. And, and it has lasting effects upon them as well. So here, as parents in particular, you might not know what the future holds. But when we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a confidence that, that our future is, is going to work out. Might not work out the way we want it to work out, but it's going to work out. He's going to. He, he said, "I will never leave you nor forsake you." Yeah. Even to the end of the age. Pointing them back to those key verses is really, really important in this time. It's it's got to be confusing for most kids. You know, well, why is school out? Why can't I go to school? Why can't I be with my friends? Uh, no, but I would have never been asking that question. Was <laughs> <laughs> yay? School is out. Well, my son is a little social, so he was. That was one concern he had. But we just answered his questions, and and we. It was a great opportunity to say we need to pray for our, our friends and make sure they're okay and check on them, and then uh, how to minister to others. You know, how do we take food to different neighbors or family members? Um, check on. Uh, you, you can't go in, but you could drop it off at the door. I think those are all. Now, this yeah. is a spiritual marker. Kids will look back. You know, many kids, yeah. and many young people in this generation have never been through anything like this. Right. And it's a great time to uh, to make a, a great memory um, uh, of how you, I think I think this is going to mark a lot of people. There's going to be a timestamp on these memories. And uh, you want your kids to be looking. Say, I remember my mom and dad handled that really, really well. And I wasn't scared. And, and we got through it. Yeah, you can say, I, I can remember us going to visit the shut-ins and taking them a roll of toilet paper. Well, I mean, that's the thing. It's so valuable. That would be like that would be like taking somebody a side of beef, take them a roll of toilet paper. Uh, General, one of the things we started at the beginning of the year uh, at the Family Research Council was a two-year through the Bible reading program. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think... Those that are doing it right now, I know we've got several thousand that are part of that, but baked into that is that discussion time of of Scripture. And, you know, when we're not able to meet, you know, as Harold was saying, you know, you don't have to go within the four walls of the church to have church. Have church as a family. Read the Scripture. Have a discussion over it. Pray together. It's a great time to, to, to repair, restore or to lay the spiritual foundation of a family. Yeah, and especially if you can get several members of the family reading through this Bible program. This is very well done. You did this for your own family, and then you took your family through this, which is what I think makes it so special. But you're right. I mean, you read the chapters that are designated for the reading that day, and then you have study questions that really help you to think about what you just read and how that applies you know, to you, and and Harold is just uh, right now. We're and we're we're doing this as a staff, so yeah. we're talking about this every morning in our morning meeting. We start with a member of the team providing a devotional. And we pray, 
but the timeliness of God's word. Yes, it's been amazing. Each day, there's there's the right nugget for our staff, and when I'm when I'm home, there's the right nugget for my family, and it's a great conversation piece uh, at the dinner table at night. Did you read Did you read your Bible reading, and what did you get out of it? It's just a great opportunity. Plus, it's a reminder that to, to our kids. And, and we talk about this at our Stand Courageous conferences. Men are supposed to lead. What an incredible opportunity for men to lead right now their families. The, God has teed this up perfectly for us, and, um, and our kids need to see that. They need to see us leading spiritually. Yeah, I, I want to take, uh, as we get ready to close here, I want to take the, um, the quote from, uh, that I mentioned earlier from Ram Emanuel, who, who made the comment, um, back when he was the chief of staff for Barack Obama, that you, um, he said, uh, quote, you never let a serious crisis go to waste. And what I mean by that, it's an opportunity to do things you think you could not do before. Well, I mean, he, he meant it for, for evil purposes. But, you know, this is an opportunity to restart. Mm-hmm. And, and with the president calling the nation to prayer, not being able to go to church, uh, co- gather together as as a part of a church. This is a chance for men to to exercise that spiritual leadership in their homes. It's uh, for fathers, for husbands, uh, for for single moms. It, the authority figure, whoever it is in the home, this is a chance to hit the restart and take this opportunity to begin laying that spiritual foundation and bringing that sense of peace, assurance. And purpose into your home and instilling that uh, in your children. General Harold, uh, always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Good to be with you. And folks, always great to have you as well. Check out the website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you. Look, fear not. God says, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Until next time, I leave you with that encouraging word. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. 